Welcome to Act Dad, the Awesome Dad Show. I'm your host, Mark Savant, and you are going to love today's episode. I am joined by Stephen Bishop, and I was just so impressed by Stephen. He has some amazing perspective, very well thought out, and just an uber talented guy. I mean, this guy played Major League Baseball for several years. Now he's starring in movies and television shows. He's worked in the music industry, just producing and creating lots of audio experiences. Just an an incredible, incredible story here. We get into a lot of different things, everything from being a role model, pushing your kids to excel, not living vicariously through them. We talk about instilling hard work in your kids and being real, being truthful, not only to yourself, but to those around you. We also talk a little bit about his experience in the media industry and the way that it portrays fathers and the way that he's chosen different roles in the industry. Just just a really compelling conversation. I, I really enjoyed it. And I think that you will as well. If you enjoy the episode, please make sure you subscribe. I'm bringing you a fresh audio experience every Monday. You can also check out the Act Dad YouTube channel for video interviews as well. You also want to check out the patreon.com slash actedad page. The Act Dad Patreon page is really unique in that you have the opportunity to join the Act Dad program in a more meaningful way. There's exclusive content, there's early access. There's more conversation, more interaction. If you love what's happening at Actadad, you definitely want to go and check out patreon.com slash Actadad. Smash that link and check it out. Listen, you're in the right place if you want to be a better father. Let's get right into the episode with Stephen Bishop. Stephen, welcome to Actadad, the awesome dad show. How are you today? Uh, thanks, man. I'm good. Good to be here. Real, real pleasure bringing you on the show. You've got a great story as we were just chatting about multifaceted, multi-talented, and I'm really looking forward to getting your perspective on dad life. So here's where I want to start. I noticed that you are a little league coach. How did you get into little league coaching and why is that so important to you? Uh, Well, after I played baseball, you know, as a college player and a professional, all through the ranks of high school, college, and professional baseball, we were we, we did coaching with clinics and things like that for younger players, little leaguers, all, you know, all around our, our communities. And I really enjoyed passing the game down to the younger generation. And then as I got into adulthood, I, I, I really wanted to give back to the game the way that men in my life gave to me when I was a young kid, you know, seven, eight years old thought it was something that uh, was invaluable in my life. You know, I still remember those guys by name and it was a a fantastic experience for me and I'm sure for them. And then doing it as a, as an adult, it was, it turned out to be a great experience. My son is a player and, you know, he, he got, he jumped into the game with both feet. So I decided to coach him singularly, but then as we got to the little league fields, it, it became desirable for me to be on the field for not only him but for other players and parents who wanted to learn the game from a professional so I got addicted to it and uh, the rest is you know a couple district and section championships later (laughs) the rest is history. That's awesome and I frankly I've, I've coached my daughter's little league for a few seasons and I think there's something really special and really important about getting good fathers out on the field, being a positive role model. Not all these kids have that, so I really got to commend you for that. Your son, did you push him into playing baseball, or was that just something that kind of evolved naturally as he, as he grew up? 
No, I, I didn't. He, he, you know, he wanted to play at four years old and taught him how to put on a uniform. And uh, I told him I'd let him go with it for a couple of years. And if he really liked it to, to let me know, and I would then start taking it seriously with him. And he came back to me telling me he really, he really wanted to play it seriously. So we embarked on this journey together and it's been great for him. He's, you know, he's flourished and He's been an all-star his entire career, and he won the MVP of his school sixth grade team this past year, his first year playing for a school. So uh, now he's playing in a uh, an organization out here called Batters, and he's you know 13. He just turned 13 years old, and he's playing in a uh, a 14U team. So uh, I think the the experience and the work that he's put in have advanced his uh, his ability, and it's starting to show. Well, I won't say starting. It's been showing on the field. One of the things that I like to look at when I have successful fathers and expert fathers in specific roles is the concern that your kids might feel like they can never live up. Is that live up to what, what you've accomplished in your life? Is that ever something that he's expressed to you like, Dad, like you were in the majors, like you did big things. What if I don't make it? Is that ever something no. conversations come up? No, I, I, I've often told him that, you know, I'm not living vicariously through him. Uh, I've, I've already done my baseball playing. So whatever he does or decides to do with the game is, is completely his. Uh, I've told him that he's actually better than I was at his age. You know, I think that gives him some motivation. But at the end of the day, it's his journey. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm on the, the journey with him. But he doesn't have to, you know, I want him to be better than I was. You know what I mean? I think he's got the potential. And like I said, as it stands right now, I believe that he is better than I was at, at his age. So, you know, if he just stays on track, he should be able to, he's got all the tools to, to, to do a lot more than I did in the game. I, I, you know, I just hope that he stays in love with the game and just, you know, continues to do the work. I think that's a really profound a really profound point that you made, Stephen, because a lot of parents, I think, decide, hey, I'm going to live. I didn't make it. So I'm going to push my kid harder and harder and harder so that they can make it in this particular field to be better than me. It's kind of that intrinsic need for our kids to be better than us. Well, I, I do push him because, you know, there there is a a dedication and a drive that young players sometimes don't develop until they get a bit a little bit older. And he's got lofty goals. I mean, he's he's got some things that he wants to do that are are only done by the elite players in his age group. And so I sometimes have to remind him, hey, listen, if you want to do X, Y, and Z that you've set out to do, you're you're going to have to be super prepared when you get to these levels because you're going to be playing at levels that are beyond your years. So, you know, sometimes I have to, to push him to, to get his extra work in and things like that. But I've never had to really push him to play the game. You know, sometimes, you know, just reminders here and there about the extra work and, and getting extra reps in. And, you know, I'm sure he'll tell you that uh, I show him a lot of videos of, of players and of, of coaches and of major league players in certain positions and in videos. And he may get, you know, he may get tired of that. You know, I, I sometimes get the feeling that he's like, Oh my God. Okay. Another video. <laughs> but you know, we have that same situation going with him and music. So I think it's a fair trade off. 
<laughs> he does that to me. Hey, hey, I wanted you to hear this song. And I'm like, ah, okay. Right. So we, we have that fair trade-off going on. That's really invaluable. You, you, know, you keep bringing up a lot of really interesting points, but I want to segue a little bit into, into your multifaceted background, right? Whether it's the sports or the music or the acting, how did you get into all these different things? And, and how do you think that by moving into these different genres, these different professions, completely different professions, how do you think that's impacted the way that your kids see you and the way that your kids might grow up seeing dad as that role model? Well, that's a good question. I, well, first of all, to the first part of the question, I got into baseball at a very young age. I, you know, my father brought a baseball glove to the maternity ward. And so he, mm. he, he knew what he wanted from me right up, right off the bat and it stuck. So, you know, when I was able to stand, I was hitting. Then I was at daycare one day at like four years old and I wandered away from the daycare and out into the fields and went to a little league game because I saw them playing. I walked over and I tugged on the coach's shirt and asked him if I could play. <laughs> and, you know, they apparently it was just practice because he actually let me hit, you know what I mean? And so that was, that's how I got started with that. Um, acting, I took uh, a drama course in college and the professor was, you know, was kind enough to let me know that he thought I was pretty good at it and that he thought I had a chance to do it for a living. And I, you know, I was on my way to being a professional baseball player, so I was resistant. But he was like, hey, you know, you never know. Keep it in your back pocket. You can do it, you know, on the side or after baseball. And that's what happened. And as far as how the kids would look at it, I, I just hope that they look at a, at a fairly uh, decent level of success and recognize that the, the hard work that it took to get there and they strive to to you know, work as hard and get to that level as well in whatever field they choose. Um, my father was a very successful man. My mother was a, a very successful woman. So my entire life, I always felt like I was trying to at least live up to what they got to. You know, I just felt like they set a great example and that it was up to me to go ahead and and be on that plane, you know, be on that level, get to the place where I could say, well, you guys gave me a great opportunity. You gave me a bunch of great tools and resources and I used them to my best ability. And I was, you know, I got to a certain level of success that could make you guys proud and could give me, afford me a life that I enjoy living. And I just hope that my kids, you know, see that and that they're inspired and motivated to be excellent at something you know, and, and do the work that it takes to do that and, and, and always be striving to give their children the life that they were afforded. I love that. I feel sometimes, Stephen, that we're living in this age of instant gratification and a lot of unauthentic reality when you're looking at television. Like someone, my wife and I, for example, we went to buy our first home. My wife was like, this is nothing like it was on TV, where you go, you find a home, you put in an offer, you buy it, and it's beautiful in, in 30 minutes. Yeah. And, and I think that kids growing up, you know, they're seeing, you know, their friends taking pictures in front of Lear jets or all these places in which maybe they just snuck onto the, onto the air runway. But I feel like a lot of kids are, are losing the importance of that hard work. How do you instill that kind of that feeling of, hey, look, you want to be in the, in the majors? Like, you're going to have to hit a thousand balls a day. It's not going to be as easy as playing MLB 2K at home. You got to, you got to grind. 
Well, I tell them that there are literally millions of Little League players in around the world, and they all want to play in the major leagues. Mm. There are 30 teams, I think, in the major leagues, 32. I, I don't even know anymore. But And there's 25 roster spots on there, so there's roughly 650 spots available out of the millions of little kids that think they want to play in the major leagues. So every step you go is a weeding out process. It's going to be somebody telling you, you know, some people are going to fall off, fall off, fall off, and it's going to be up to you to stay in the fray. I, I, I let him know that with so much competition, you have to, you have to constantly be getting better. Thanksgiving was a, a, an example of it. Uh, we were at home and I, I sent him a text. I said, I guarantee you very, very few of your peers are getting better today. Mm. Take this as an opportunity to get an, a, a leg up on them. So he went out in the backyard and he hit off the tee for a few rounds and, you know, got that work in. When I was young, somebody told me, while you're sleeping, someone else is getting better. And that stuck with me. It was always so then I became a maniac about always taking every opportunity where I thought everybody else was sleeping to be in the cage or be, you know, doing something else to make myself better. Jay-Z said, you know, everybody wants to ride on a jet, but nobody wants to do the work that it takes to get to the jet. They just see the pictures and all that. And like, that's, you know, what you just said. I mean, the social media world has gotten a lot of things misconstrued. Yeah. You know, because it's very easy to walk up to a, a, a Rolls Royce and stand next to it and take a picture. Um, but it's not, it's not so easy to go and, and make the money that it costs to buy the Rolls Royce. No, it's certainly not. And, and frankly, I don't think it gives you the satisfaction when you just post a fake picture. I think that leads to a lot of like emptiness inside. For me, it's, it's about taking on a challenge, overcoming it, and feeling that sense of achievement, like I made it, like those hours I put in, they mattered. That's, that's what got me this level. It's not just, you know, a lot of people that win the lottery, they're broke after three years, right? Because it just, it, it doesn't, it's, it's not as tangible. It doesn't feel as real, I don't think. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I've always wondered about that. Like, how does that happen? You know what I mean? Like, if I win the lottery, I'm not going to be broke after three years. <laughs> I can promise you that. I, you know, I would have, I would have an investments that I knew, you know, that I've just been waiting for, you know, some extra capital to get into. Man, if I had the capital, I would be in that, you know. But I guess it's just a, a matter of, you know, people that haven't had the access to those types of resources before. And so they don't know how to manage them. And, yeah. you know, they, they haven't lived a life uh, that afforded them certain, certain experiences. Like, you know, if you were a kid and you had video games versus a kid who never had video games, mm -hmm. uh, if you were a kid who, who played, who had bikes and, you know, versus a kid who never had a bike, you were a kid who played sports at a high level and got, taken care of because the team was paying for everything versus a kid who didn't get to play any sports. You know, there's life experience, I think, lends itself to, to understanding how to deal with certain things when they come to you. So I don't know. It's just theory. Yeah. And I, I think the educational system in general or, or dads and, and families, you know, getting involved in their kid's life and educating themselves is really important. I, I've spoken at a local high school a couple of times, the senior class about financial matters 
And it was amazing to me. I'll, I'll go in and I'll start talking about what credit rating means. Steven, literally none of them knew what a credit rating meant. And, and, and I'm thinking to myself, like, man, you guys are seniors. You're about to start going out to the real world, buying cars, buying homes, applying yeah. for credit cards. You don't know what credit rating is. Like, the deck is and, completely stacked against you. And I guarantee you, right after you had that conversation, they walked outside and somebody was trying to give them a credit card. Oh, Oh yeah, I mean, forget about it. Like I've gotten an e I got an email today from eBay trying to give me a credit card for five times points, and maybe I it's remember, a good fit. But I remember the first time I ever got the opportunity. It was on my college campus. They were handing out credit cards. They were out there <laughs> signing, signing people up for credit cards, and it was the worst decision I ever made. You know what I mean? I got one and I maxed it out, and it. it I didn't pay the bills on time, so they're right off the bat. Boom! Terrible credit. Yep. Fortunately, I've I've gotten better at it, you know, over the years. But I just, you know, and that's something, you know, these are the life lessons that you teach your kids. You, you know, I, I often tell my son, you know, because sometimes he makes mistakes in baseball and he, maybe in life as well that I've warned him against. Yeah. And then I I remind him. I'm saying, listen, we are on a journey. I am ahead of you on this path, okay? I'm walking ahead of you. So imagine we're walking down a sidewalk and I'm a block ahead of you and I trip and break my ankle in a pothole. What kind of dad would I be if I didn't turn around and say, hey, watch out for this pothole? And what kind of person would you be if you kept walking and broke your leg in the same pothole that I just told you to watch out for. Yep. You know, listen to me because I've got some experience. I'm trying to guide you so that you life will be easier for you. You don't have to worry about making the mistakes that I made and you can and you know, you can accelerate your progress because you won't be set back by these mistakes. 100%. On the same notion though, I think sometimes the best the the most important lessons we learn are because we broke our leg and we're like, okay, I broke my leg once. Dad was right. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to step in that hole again. Um, well, true. But if somebody had told me, don't get a credit card the first time they offer it to you. Right. Okay. What, what happens is you get it. You don't know how to manage it and you end up with <laughs> bad credit. And then you spend five years trying to rebuild your credit. You can't do anything yeah. that you want to do because your credit. That's a lesson I didn't need to learn by myself. Some, if, if someone had told me that, I would have avoided it and I would have never made those mistakes and then I would have not spent time trying to recover. So yeah, some mistakes you need to make on your own and you're gonna learn from. But others, if, you're, if you have guidance, it, they just make, you know, not making those mistakes makes life so much easier and they're, they're really unforced errors. They don't- Very avoidable. Yeah, they're very avoidable and they don't need to be made. All they do is, is put, you know, obstacles in your way that, that slow your progress. Yeah. Well, that's, I think that's our, basically our primary job as fathers to help guide our children or, or at least give them the tools so that they can avoid those potholes along the way. Uh, Stephen, I want to segue a little bit into your experience in the media industry, acting, because you, obviously that's your profession. That's what you're, you're really focusing in on. I, I, I had an interview uh, about a month ago with Brandon Hay. He, he started the Black Daddies Club up in Toronto. And one of the things that we talked about was the way that media portrays fathers. Um, in his case, it was particularly in black, in black families. But just as a whole, like this is something that's been really concerning to me is that 
when we look at family structures in the media and on television, they're typically not portrayed as dad is the, is the hero or leading the way. It's typically dad is the mess up. I'm just curious, why do you think that is? And has that been your experience in, in the industry? No, it hasn't been my experience in the industry. There's, there's many theories as to why that, that might be a stereotype that continues to be broadcast in the, in the industry. There, there has been an assault on the black family in, in you know, the, the country. There has been a situation where the black family has splintered quite a bit um, in our community. Families in general, not just the black family, there's a lot of you know, family problems where dads and moms can't get along and the divorce rate is really high and, and things like that. You know, there is some truth to the fact that all families are having issues staying together and, and all communities and families are having issues. But the reason why it continues to be perpetuated in the black family on television and film is a question for writers and producers. I, I really can't speak to it because it's not something that I contribute to as far as the content, as far as writing it and creating it. Sure. Uh, my, most of my characters have not really been, uh, had a focus on that. So it hasn't really affected me, but I know what you're talking about. And I, you know, I think that it's, it's an unfortunate representation of, of black, you know, families and black dads in general, because I know a lot of black dads who are extremely good black dads. Right. Uh, you know, my, fr some of my friends have, you know, a version of what you just spoke about the black dads club. I mean, myself, Alex Thomas, my buddy, Chakori Gums just had a, a son a couple of days ago. So we just welcomed him to the black dads clubs, Chris Spencer, <laughs> you know, so there are a lot of, really good black fathers out there. And, you know, I, I, I choose to focus on, on those, those experience, those examples and, and, and those fathers and try to create a more um, positive narrative in that, in that regard. We've got to do it. Like you said, there are a ton of really awesome black fathers out there. I know quite a few personally and through the, the acted ad movement, it's, it's just, that's just the reality um, but yeah, there's, there's certainly been an assault on, on families and, and certainly, you know, in the African-American community as well. So just to kind of push this idea a little bit further and to, to go a little bit further, when you choose roles, Stephen, okay, let me rephrase this. By being in the public eye in 5, 10, 20 years, your kids are going to go back and watch and talk and see the shows that dad was on. What impact, or do you ever think about that when you're taking on a role, when you're choosing a role to play on television? Do you ever think like, I don't really want to take this role because I don't really want my kids to see me like that. Has that ever been something that you thought about? Yes and no. I mean, I've not taken roles because I don't personally feel like being a part of it, a part of that narrative. It hasn't mm -hmm. been for my kids' sake. It's been more for the the larger population's sake. Um, I don't want to continue to see the same things perpetuated about black men in, in negative, you know, negative uh, narratives. Everybody understands that we were, you know, black people were enslaved in this country for hundreds of years, but I don't particularly care to continue to see slave narrative films. 
I know that it was an important, you know, important time. And it's, it's something that, you know, if you don't learn from your history, you're doomed to repeat it. But at the same time, I, I'd like to see, you know, there have been many black doctors and lawyers and judges and, and civil rights leaders and presidents and Hall of Fame athletes and inventors. And there's, there, there's so much positive that I could be portraying that I would rather do that. So there's been many times that I've, well, I won't say many, but there's been a few times that I've looked at an audition and I'll stop the process there and say, no, I don't, I, I don't, I'm not interested in playing this, this character. I absolutely love that. Focusing on the positive and how can we make positive change instead of focusing on the negative. It's, it's really easy to get caught in, caught up. Because in. the images that we put out are what a lot of people are going to associate with us. You 100%. Know I mean? And it's, it's, you know, a lot of people don't have the time or some people don't have the capacity to, you know, to differentiate between reality and fictional narrative. The images that we continue to see plant seeds and they, these seeds grow into preconceived notions. And, you know, some of these preconceived notions can grow into trees of ignorance, you know, so uh, I, I don't want to be a part of that. I, 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 I want to portray roles that, that I feel good about, that I would have looked up to as a younger person and wanted to strive to emulate. And then obviously every once in a while you play a part as a challenge to your own sensibilities. Sure. Uh, like, like the part I played in Till Death Do Us Part was completely opposite of who I am as a person, but it was a stretch for me as an actor and it's, it was a, an important subject to bring awareness to. So I, you know, I, I let myself do it at first. I was kind of against it, but then I, I, I thought about it a little bit more and I was like, you know what, I, I need to go ahead and, and do this and commit to it. And so there are certain things that, you know, I, I have done that you know, I don't necessarily agree with in real life, but they were important enough where I felt like I could add something to the narrative because I knew I would be able to do press with it and talk about how much I didn't like the character that I was playing. Sure. Well, it helps you grow as a person and, and, and open up a conversation. I, I like that a lot. And that's one of the reasons I started this Act of Dad show is because to your point, I want dads wherever wherever they're coming from to to be able to come to the show and see people like yourself who are public figures and say hey this is important you know families are important like this, this let's focus on the positive let's move let's progress forward in in a way and open up good conversation so i really respect what you're doing there and appreciate you coming on the show to talk about that uh steven before we get into the rapid fire portion where can everyone find you what what are you thinking about where do you want to send people here today instagram at steven c bishop S-T-E-P-H-E-N-C Bishop, uh, Facebook, Stephen Bishop, and Twitter, Stephen C. Bishop. You know, I try to balance my pages. You know, I'm very politically active. And um, so Facebook, I, I spend a lot of time on, on politics and Instagram is more, you know, uh, my kids and, and business and personal stuff. And Twitter has kind of fallen by the wayside over the last couple of years. I mean, it's, it, it's the, the other two uh, platforms are, are much more, I'm much more active on. Good deal. Steven, so rapid fire, what's your favorite story to read to your, to your kids? Uh, we, my daughter loves the, the pigeon books. Don't let the pigeon drive the bus. Don't <laughs> let the pigeon stay up late. So that's the, that's our, my favorites to read to her right now. Amazing. I mean, also just side note, how did she learn shapes so well? Like 
she's two years old and she can pick out an octagon, a hexagon. How did she learn how to do that? That's, that's her, her mother. Her mother is doing a fantastic job of, of stimulating her uh, on a daily basis and from a very young age. She was able to do her ABCs before she was a year old. So it, it was, it's been astonishing to watch the progress. And like you said, when, when you know, her mother sent me the video with the hexagon and the octagon and the diamond and the oval and the circle. I mean, it's just amazing. We have books called My First Words and they, they have all of these pictures and shapes and she's been doing that with her for, you know, but one thing that just blew my mind about this little girl is one day I was, you know, she showed me, what's this, octopus? What's this, tiger? What's this, lion? Like she knows the difference between a lion and a tiger. And this is, you know, one year old, and you know what is what's this bow wow what's about uh you know what's this kid, kitty cat what's kitty cat say meow what's the lion say rawr what you know she what's this crocodile what you know like she knows all these things it's just you know i think one of the things that helped with this is like i said she's been the you know she's been learning since she was very very young when she was you know right from birth she's been taught sign language you know oh, wow. she was taught you know you know eat and, and uh, please, and, you know, please and more and thank you and that kind of thing. And I think what that did is it allowed her to communicate, which kept her from having a lot of frustration because she wasn't able to communicate. Mm -hmm. So now that she's not frustrated mentally and, and she's able to communicate what she wants very quickly and then move on, that opens the door in the mind to get on to the other things to learn. You know, I think if a child spends a lot of time being frustrated that they, he or she can't communicate with their parents of what they want, they don't, you know, they don't have, you know, the, the, the openness of the, of the brain to be able to move on to learn. And when you start communicating and getting what you're desiring from your communication, it starts connecting dots, you know, cause and effect. And so, the, you know, once the dots start connecting, other dots open up and start to be ready to connect and I think learning just becomes a much more uh, efficient process. I'm not gonna lie, you just blew my mind. You connected a lot of dots in my mind with that. With that, I never thought about the importance of sign language communication, getting that frustration off the table. That's, man, you got my wheels turning, Steven. That's a great one. Well, that's, I mean, that's she, you know, like I said, she, you know, as she was unable to speak, she was, un she was able to tell us, hey, I'm hurt, hey, please, you know, can I have, you know, can I have, and it also helped, you know, let's teach her manners because it was like, you want more? And she would, she would say more. And then we'd say, say, please. And she'd go, please, more, please. You know what I mean? So it was, it was, it was definitely something that I think accelerated her, her growth. It makes it like, yeah, I don't know. It just makes sense. It, it makes a lot of sense. Okay. Final question here, Steven, a billboard message that reaches, reaches millions of people. What are you putting on that billboard? Be kind, and if you, you know, well, let me see. There's, there's something that I want to say. Uh, find a kind person, and if you can't find one, be one. I like that. That's great. Steven, I, can't feel, I cannot thank you enough for taking a few minutes out of your day to be on the show. Really excited to share your story with all the awesome dads out there. Just keep it up, man. You're, you're on the right track. I really appreciate you. Thanks, man. I appreciate you having me, and I'm glad we got a chance to connect. Absolutely. Absolutely. Have an awesome week. All right. You too. 
Thank you so much for listening today. I hope you enjoyed this episode with Stephen as much as I did. It was a real honor and really eye-opening to get a chance to chat with someone as accomplished as Stephen. Make sure that you subscribe to the podcast. There's going to be a fresh episode for you every Monday with an awesome dad. I would also encourage you and really appreciate your support. Head on over to Patreon dot com slash actedad over there you have the opportunity to pledge a monthly amount whether it's one dollar five dollars ten dollars whatever you want to pledge it makes a big difference to me it lets me know that i'm on the right track and i'm giving you the content that you need to be a better father to be a better man to be a better community member to be a better husband spouse partner whatever you're also going to find exclusive content there you cannot get anywhere else so check it out find the tier that's good for you and again thank you so much for your support I really appreciate every, each and every one of you. Every day I'm getting message by fathers that are appreciating the content, fathers just like you. It means a lot to me. And I'm really looking forward to the future. I see a lot of great things ahead. There's a lot of great interviews coming up. Again, you can listen to brand new exclusive content right over there on the Patreon page. So check that out. Find the tier and pledge. With all that said, I got to bounce. I got to get ready for another awesome week with another awesome guest for all the awesome dads out there. Have a great week. I'll catch you next Monday. Peace.